the date of recording. December 1st, 2021. The holidays are here. And you guys, I don't know about you, but it's really been a while since I feel like I've watched a really refreshing kind of Christmas movie. One that really feels like holiday spirit level. Like it's it's hitting home. It's, I could put it on the shelf with a bunch of other classic Christmas movies, arguably maybe, and really have it enhance my like holiday experience. But never before have I been able to say that such a movie exists, but it's also just about the Nintendo Entertainment System. How do you guys think about that? I'm more so a Christmas the... movie about about the NES? It's like uh, a Christmas story meets Princess Bride, except it's about someone hunting down an NES as a kid for Christmas. It is, it is a one-for-one one in NES. It's not some NES rip-off sort of thing. It is literally the Nintendo Entertainment System. I mean, now I understand why why Peter was so seduced by your sales pitches <laughs> last week. Because saying a Christmas story meets a Princess Bride and an NES is involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds pretty good. And Neil Patrick Harris is uh, the one telling the story here as well. And he does a good job. Okay. Just spit it out already. What it's is ca- this? It's called 8-Bit Christmas, is what it's called. Uh, and it's exactly as what I said. And it's actually a really funny movie. Uh takes place in the 80s. And it's someone in modern day telling a story to their kid about the 80s. And the kid sometimes is even just like, are you really doing that? And it's like, oh, 80s are a different time. Things are a little bit more dangerous. Some people were a little bit more rough around the edges. But not in a like annoying kind of way, I don't want to think. Like, it's... Uh, it, it has like some rooted humor that I feel like maybe you'd find from like maybe some Christmas movies of past that are pretty iconic or maybe we've grown up with, but also still being modern 2021 standard. And there's definitely a lot of laughs I had. Definitely felt like this is a good Christmas movie. There's one like major complaint, maybe half of the movie, but that that's plot and it's spoilers. And I don't want to talk about that because I'd rather just tell you guys, hey, try to watch this movie. Tell me what you think about it. Because it's a really neat Christmas movie, no matter what, at the end of the day. Is this a Netflix movie? I think it's on HBO, actually. Really? Oh. I think it is. I'm gonna This sounds like a Hallmark movie. I've, I know I've actually... I've been on the HBO Max app lately, and I feel like I have seen something about this. It did not catch my eye, but the recommendation is at least partly selling me. Um, one movie that came out a few years a few years ago on Netflix that I hear is awesome. That's a Christmas movie. Why did you do that, Peter? You I just saw, did it like right I in the microphone. I was. What I is was wrong? The, with you? I was again. Two things. One, I didn't feel it coming. It just happened. And two, I started to pull away as soon as it happened because I was caught off guard by it. <laughs> it was too late. I don't know what happened. What? <laughs> I what is this? Burp. I burped. I, I okay, burped. I can hear you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no one made a fucking scene of it. Well, I mean, it was worth a scene. I think I, so. I the audience deserves it. I didn't anticipate it. I had no feeling. It just occurred like a bolt of lightning in a field. Anyways, this movie Klaus, Claus, K L A U S, 
uh, on Netflix. It's supposed to be really good. I can't sell it like Mark just sold it because I haven't seen it. But maybe I'll try and watch that this holiday season as well. What I'm always down for a good Christmas movie. I, I just don't watch them very often. Or if I do watch a Christmas movie, because, because we do a movie night in my house, and one of my roommates loves Hallmark movies. So when he picks a movie, it's a, it's a Hallmark Christmas movie a lot of the time. And sometimes there's a charm to them. And I know he's going to be listening to this. And they're, they have their ups, some of these movies sometimes. But... When someone says a Hallmark movie, they definitely have a certain reputation to them. And, you know, maybe it's hard to stay awake for a lot of these movies. I I have very limited experience with Hallmark. Oh, my God, I can't speak today. If this is how I'm going to talk in the first 10 minutes, I don't know how we're going to be at an hour and a half in. But I have limited experience with Hallmark movies. One of the funniest things ever, though, is that Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig just made a Hallmark movie. It's not a comedy. They just thought it would be hilarious if they took a genuine attempt at making a Hallmark movie. And I just think that that idea in itself is hilarious. That actually does sound really funny. I want to know what this is. All I know is, uh, if I remember it correctly, Will Ferrell plays successful financial book writer robert benson (laughs) um but one day i want to try and hunt that down and watch it because i don't know i feel like it would be a pretty entertaining thing to watch but this is not a movie podcast this is a games podcast the bny gaming podcast i'm your host owen shannon joining me is the dm peter gorski how are you I'm very thankful for this podcast, and I'm especially thankful for my good buddy Jeff Keeley and all of his success today. Oh, we're going to be commemorating that. Don't you worry. Thank God. And on the other microphone is the man who conditions his hair like no other, Mark Gorski. How are you? Uh, I'm well conditioned, actually. Got a new conditioner and new shampoo this week, so... I'm glad you wow. noticed, Owen, from the other side of the country. You got an eye on you. Not yeah? being able to see your face. He's good, I, uh, Mark, you've inspired me at least a little. I used to just kind of be like your typical D-bag. I'm shampooing every day. And I have uh, recently turned a new leaf. And I now do like the condition on almost every day typically condition every day and then i shampoo about twice a week and it i've i see the results okay it definitely makes a difference it's definitely there i only shampoo condition twice a week i've got the longer hair so and also just i'm working a retail job on weekends too so like i'm more active now so like i'm now learning just like me being a sweatier person sometimes how i need to wash hair around that it's complicated sometimes it's always a process sometimes i hate I think... it but when it works it's great I think everyone seems to have a different process and no one is really on the same page as to what the right thing is. I heard you're good to condition every day. You don't want to shampoo every day. That, that sounds right to me too. Like everyone's hair is going to be a little different because our bodies are different. It's like there, there absolutely is never going to be like a universal one size fits all solution to this, but that's right. My hair, uh, 
I feel that my hair gives me a lot of leeway. Um, like I'm talking about pretty minor differences in my life since I've made this change, but differences nonetheless. So I'll take them. Uh, video games. We have the game awards coming up and I think we should make a nice little game awards sandwich here because we recently introduced the opening topic, warm up topic. I think that warm up topic should be what we're thinking might get announced at the game awards. I know Peter is especially a fan of this show for that purpose, the announcements. And I'll be honest, I tried like thinking of predictions that I could bring to the table here and just nothing is really standing out to me right now as to like something that we're waiting to hear about with the exception of like last was factions. So I'm interested to hear Peter, I'll let you start. Do you, have any like predictions for something you might see at that, the game award show? Let, let, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Uh, the little statement that you just decided to make willy nilly about how it's not willy nilly. The, the announcements truth. You're, you're are a my fan favorite. of the announcements, aren't we all? Uh, to an extent. Well, I just don't get why I'm being singled out when I have gone on record on this podcast multiple times saying how I enjoy the show as a whole, probably more than all three of us. I think it depends on and, the year. It really depends on the year for me because I'm I'm not, if it comes to an announcement, if I have something on my mind that I really want to be there, say maybe a Smash Brothers character, then I can get really excited for it. But right now, we don't have a Smash Brothers character coming. There's no like crazy game. Like it'd be cool to see Breath of the Wild 2 get name dropped uh, at the Game Awards. That'd be really awesome. Uh, but like other than that, I don't know. I'm not coming in like with any like dream-like expectation of hype. Of, of what's going to happen, but I definitely have fun with the nominees when I've talked about before, how I think the nominees are more fun than actual winners. So take that as you will for how I feel about the show. I, I think go ahead. Uh, I go. No, you go. I don't really have any massive expectations in terms of announcements because in my memory, Keely is good about things being kept under wraps the game awards i can't think of many years where we already knew what all the big announcements were that we weren't supposed to know prior prior to the show itself i mean last year started with fucking i mean wasn't sephiroth last year right off the bat he was off the bat yeah it's true and i i mean i knew a smash character was going to be announced i didn't know they'd do it right off right away and i especially didn't expect to fucking hear one winged angel when i'm waiting while i'm waiting to see the last of us part two win game of the year award which, man, what a different person I was a year ago. I but mean, anyway, go ahead. Uh, there, there was even more last year on top of Sephiroth. So, like, we had the Mass Effect oh, we had return. Mass we Effect, had... we had Back for Blood getting fully announced. What was it? Um, Perfect Dark was there, wasn't it? Yeah, Perfect Dark was there. That was yes. Pretty, that's pretty big for Ma- some people. Uh, Mass Effect will return. That's the type of announcement I hate. It was an insult because I don't fully... Mass Effect will return, parentheses, if Dragon Age 4 does well. And parentheses. If it comes out. Yeah. If Bioware is still open in two years, then maybe we'll actually work on Mass Effect instead of just putting out random concept art on N7 Day and saying, please, guys, please, we're still here. The, The fact that, like... 
we as a society allow N7 Day to still be a thing. You shut up. No, I you like I get up. that you're Mass Effect fans, but it, it's acting like it's on the level of like Star Wars. And while I find May 4th to be like kind of cringy for that reason, I like at least it has the cachet to back it up. I mean, who's it hurting? Mass Effect. I mean, no one, but Man, shut up. Chuck, <laughs> fucking Mass Effect fans insulting you just for enjoying being alive well, one day a no, year. No, but, but when was like, the last day? Up. When was the last N7 day that you're like, oh shit? This N7 one, because day. I had a fucking reason to enjoy Mass Effect this year. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. I, I think there's actually been some substantial Mass Effect related announcements uh, on N7 day in the past and like if, if you look like we all know the history of mass effect like people just want another mass effect at this point so anyone's going to be looking to this day like hey they've done it before maybe it happens again here because i feel like everyone has somewhat of an understanding of just how valuable mass effect still is like it, even though like it's had some bad luck people want to play a mass effect game so badly and it was only a matter of time before ea took it off ice so I think every time it comes around, it's almost like you could compare it to everyone screaming for a Nintendo Direct in a sense, where people are just really excited for something they know may or may not exist because it's going to happen Honestly, eventually. But you know, but how fucking I, I, dare the N Seven Day fans raise their heads up for one twenty-four hour span while Owen Shannon still walks this earth? I just I want Mass Effect. To earn it back. This is not like a an anti Mass Effect take, but Andromeda was 2017. People hated that game. The last one before that was Mass Effect 3 in 2012. A lot of people even hated that game, even though I, I think overall well received. So it's like we have a trilogy of this series, well regarded. I'm not going to take that away. We don't have to pretend that it's Star Wars, because it's not. But to many people, it is their Star Wars. I don't. I don't know if that's true. Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> I. I, I want to say though, like when it comes to just like, uh, let's say, fan, just when people are running around and they have like game merchandise on, there's like an N7 hoodie I see almost anywhere. Like not even like even at non gaming related kind of conventions or places like places I would not expect to see someone with anything gaming related. They said I'm gonna wear this Mario hat today. Not that people would really want to wear Mario hat, but this there's a level of of dedication. (laughs) There is a level of dedication to these fans, and they're out there. Uh, in a lot of places, you wouldn't expect them to be. <laughs> I, I, I think there's more uh, Mass Effect fans than we give them credit for, and how much I'm they deeply care about the series. I'm just imagining like people genuinely walking around in public <laughs> with Mario hats. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what Chris Pat can do to the name. You know, maybe there's a chance. Maybe we have an angle. He he can really put Mario on the map. Look. I am all for hating that image of the person about to shit on a thing and then someone walks up and like closes their lip and says, let people enjoy things. I hate that image. I fucking hate that image. I don't like it. I don't know why. Just something about the energy and the aura that that image is supposed to produce makes me annoyed. That being said, 
Mass Effect fans before this remaster trilogy have had very little to enjoy. Them going on Twitter one day here and going, yeah, I still love Mass Effect is not a crime. They're allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah, Look, they are if, allowed to do that. If there's a fucking Last of Us day when there's only been one good Last of Us game made, then the Mass Effect fans can have their N7 day. Well, also, let me get ahead of it. I think that's stupid, too. I I just... I, I, just I think, think dedicating... Young man. No, I, I just think, think dedicating, like, a day... You never got your NBA 2K day back in the day, so now no one gets to have a day. No, I I definitely didn't want that. What what is a game I would want there to be a day of? Fallout? Fallout 3. No, I mean like even then I I bet Bethesda would try and like claim 1111 like as their day. I bet Todd since Howard they make already significant does releases. Doors. Yeah. And but I don't know. I I don't think any game comes to mind for me where it's like man i really just want there to be a hashtag for one specific day that that game is considered significant i don't know it's it's all stupid to how me. dare these I, people find an outside outside source of happiness on this day that i am miserable like i i'm with you with something like the last of us where it's only been there's only been two good last of us games out there you know and they they, they don't have that much kind of history like mass effect ha, 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 i got you peter um, but uh, then there's something like Mario Day and N Seven Day. I think still fits the boat here, where it's like these are just kind of community days. Some communities are larger than others. Some companies have done more with these community days, so expectations are a little bit off. Like I don't think anything crazy has ever happened on Mario Day, and like Nintendo or Mario, obviously bigger than Mass Effect. Uh, but people aren't screaming. There's going to be a crazy announcement. If anything, last year people were wondering. If something was going to happen on Mario Day, because it was the 35th anniversary of the series and the rumors were crazy everywhere that Nintendo was going big this year, but obviously that didn't come to fruition. But Mass Effect has kind of delivered on that every now and then, and people want more. So like, I feel like we're just kind of going through a period of when these N7 days are coming, people are just really starved for something from a community that was really well fed before. All I'm saying is it's been about a decade of starvation. I'm not saying people need to stop liking Mass Effect. I'm saying, like, Bioware, you know what? Stop tweeting about your fucking N7 day and, like, make a good game again. Just make a game, please. Make a game that's single player. Come on. We're getting there, though. We're getting there. But Game Awards predictions. Um, PlayStation, uh, I really hope that this is the the day we see factions already because I kind of had the rant about it. I think when we were ranking developers of like, is Naughty Dog about to spend four years making this multiplayer game? Like, I hope not. I hope that they're able to just like have something to show and say it's coming somewhat soon. I am like mildly interested in what it could be. Here's what it is. The Last of Us Factions is a mode where every time you get a kill... You lose a point because it's wrong to kill. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, I, well, I, hey, I, when I, you you know that's what they do I, at Naughty Dog. They have those really deep thoughts. You know, they really like, they make you challenge yourself. 
I like that idea. Like, I, I bet I'm you curious, do. I'm curious what you could do with something like that. Like, what if that is a rule in the game? What other rules are there? Because there's got to be more to that. Then you have to explore the human psyche and really determine what is right and wrong in a post-apocalyptic scenario. How much time do you think they give you for a match to do that? 25 to 30 hours. That's a lot. What it happens is. when someone disconnects, Peter? This is flawed, Peter. This isn't going to work. I, I, I don't. And then at the end, it's going to give you the illusion of you being able to choose what's going to happen, and then reality is just chosen for you in the end. Mark, I don't think you understand. We're trying to explore violence with this multiplayer game. Mm. I see. Um, Fuck me. The one thought I'm kind of having with uh, what Game Awards announcements could be happening, are we kind of in a lull in that 2022 we already know all of this huge shit is coming and it's reasonable to assume that we're not going to get anything new for most of these companies because we know of all of this huge shit and then even something like a company like microsoft we kind of know everything that they have in the pipeline like for, for the, the next several part. years even not even yeah. just next year so like the intrigue around like oh what's a what's an announcement you would really like to see? I feel like the intrigue isn't really there right now. This is probably just like a recency thing. And by next E3, like I'll be thinking entirely differently, but at this very moment, it just seems like, well, what are we grasping at here? What are we going to find right now? I think Microsoft and Nintendo have basically put out all the game, not all of them, but majority of the games there, they've already wanted to announce for the next several years. And we already know what to expect from them. Whereas PlayStation, it seems this generation is playing with a much different mindset of in the PS4 and PS3 era, we loved just announcing games left and right and then not actually letting you play them or see them again for another several years. And with the exception of Wolverine, I think they announced Wolverine as early as they did because Marvel's the hottest it's ever been right now. Wolverine didn't leak. It was still a complete surprise and they knew they had a moment to actually capture genuine shock and awe from the games industry so they announced then for the most part playstation seems a lot more conservative with their first party lineup and that they'd like to announce these games for the ps5 close to when they're ready Uh, so i honestly i could see playstation not announcing any new first party games until like next summer because i think they're that comfortable with their lineup next year that they don't have to and ps5s are continuing to sell as much as that as mu- as many ps5s that can actually reach sales floors of retail stores are being sold so i don't think sony's really in a rush to announce more games when they can't even sell as many consoles as they like to i the only thing i could see from playstation beyond a factions announcement would be like one of the games from one of those like various studios they announced partnerships with with I feel like I think one of them is called Fire Sprite um and there were reports of them like already having games that were practically finished I don't know if that's true or not I could see one of those kind of second party games getting announced maybe but um Nintendo Mark, you already threw out their Breath of the Wild 2 name reveal. I think that would 
that would move the needle quite a bit, even if they didn't provide any additional info, because everyone just wants to know the name of that game. You can't beat Breath of the Wild. I don't care about Zelda, and I think Breath of the Wild is the coolest name for any video game that's ever been made. I know. I I agree. They haven't given us the name specifically because they think it will give too much of the plot away. Yeah, but that's like when the Russos said, we can't tell you the name of the fourth Avengers movie, and then it's just Endgame. It's, oh, you could have said that from the get-go. That doesn't not, give anything away. I'm not as convinced for this, because A, it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, of course. I think, because they have a, like, we take it, we take a back, uh, take a trip back in time to 2017, when Nintendo shows the final trailer for Breath of the Wild, and it is the, one of the best trailers Nintendo has ever put out in their careers at Nintendo. Maybe in the gaming period, like this game, this made this game even more hype. But the story didn't really kind of follow through as strongly as people might have gotten from that trailer. And I think that they're going to have to have some big reveal there that they really want to leave an impression with people. And then, bam, the name as well, like all tied together in one package and have it very close to launch as well. Like they they really wanted to sit with people. And I think it'd be really cool and it would be a great idea to reveal that name eventually. But here at the Game Awards, I only think they're going to do that if a game is actually coming out relatively soon. And I don't know about that. I'm I'm curious about other things Nintendo related if we'd see that. Because we had Bravely Default last year. And like I think that no, Bravely Default was two years ago. They showed that. Nintendo had smashed. I think that was all they brought to the Game Awards, if I remember correctly. Peter, do you remember if there was anything else? I don't recall there being anything else. I I don't think they would. I, I think it would be something that they're partnered with. Maybe I doubt we'd see more Bayonetta three. There's no way we'd see something like Prime four. That's go, that's just nebulous right now. Even after Dread, um, we know Xenoblade Chronicles three is a thing. I don't know if that's a Game Awards reveal. We know it's almost close to being done. Supposedly says rumors and discussions. Is there a Wii U game that hasn't been ported yet? Xenoblade Chronicles X. Xenoblade Chronicles X. I would love to see that. That is the first one I go to with a bullet. I think that's the last one that is going to get in and I think deserves to get in. Because people who played it always say they liked it, but a game with that high of a budget put into it from a developer I respect very much, even though I never plan on playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I like that Nintendo finally has their own mainline JRPG franchise, and I want as many of its games to be played by the general audience as humanly possible. We have Xenoblade 1, Definitive Edition on there already, and Xenoblade 2, and Torn to the Gold Country. I want Xenoblade Chronicles X to also get its chance to shine on that console. I think it would do very well. I just want to play that game again. Like I'd, I'd love to see that there. Truly, truly, truly. Is there anything else, Mark, or is that it? For Nintendo? Wii U. Oh, Wii U. Um, Wii U ports. Um, like some could say Star Fox Zero, but to them I'd say shut up. I don't think Nintendo has any desire, especially because, like the not that it, like it was a part the game people like, but the motion controls were kind of tied to that. I'm sure you could kind of do that a little bit with the the HD rumble that they had going. They have going on on Switch. I mean, they they fixed Skyward Sword and its motion controls, and I think the game is better for how it looks. So I don't know. Truthfully, I'm sorry. I, it was just, I was going to say is truthfully, I'm not expecting anything really from the big three in terms of announcements. If anything, 
maybe Xbox Microsoft shows off Avowed or Hellblade 2 since Hellblade was first announced at the Game Awards in 2019. That's I kind I of go ahead. I kind of expect Microsoft to bring at least like one of their big guns that we know is in the pipeline. I could see us getting a real look at games that have already been announced. I do not see any new games being announced here from them. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, But I do hope that they at least bring like a semi-lengthy trailer for at least one of their games. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see a trailer with gameplay. Honestly, that's all I could ask for. And I I have full faith that uh, Microsoft's bringing something just because they've consistently brought something big to every Game Awards for the past couple of years. Ubisoft will bring a new game that will just make people lose hope in humanity just a little bit more. And they will not address anything going on behind the curtains at Ubisoft. Not a single thing. And they will absolutely not say anything. My EA EA prediction is that we'll see a trailer about the new season coming to Knockout City. Joe Shafarez will show up and everyone's going to be like, is he going to say fuck the Oscars again? Is he going to say, ah, he didn't say it. Maybe next Uh, year. Imagine. I was talking with my roommate about this earlier. Jeff Keighley brings up Joseph Farris to talk about Activision Blizzard and he just goes off. Just he gives them the fucking stage and the mic to say. I mean, that'd be dangerous. Keighley loses Call of Duty (laughs) and all his future shows just to give his buddy Joseph Farris a few minutes to shit post on his live game on a Game Awards show. I would gain yeah, so no. much respect for the Game Awards at that point, you know? I think everybody would. I I think uh, Keeley cares a little too much about his relationships for that to happen. It's I mean, if, I mean, if, I mean, if if Jeff Keeley just theoretically came out and basically had a fuck Activision portion of his show, I would respect that man until the day mm-hmm. I die. I, it's definitely not realistic, but like, what a world we'd live in. Where Jeff Keighley this year says no to NFT games. We will not talk with you. Bobby Kodak, we're going to talk about him. We hate that guy. Here's my friend Joseph Ferris. He says, fuck Bobby Kodak. And now we have a game announcement. Do you guys think Jeff Keighley has ever had a drink with Bobby Kodak? I bet he's been in the same room as him. I don't think he's ever... Bobby Kodak hung out with, like, fucking Roger Stone and Jeffrey Epstein. I don't think Jeff Keighley is having dinner with... I don't know. I don't think he has. I I mean, like one of my favorite shows right now is Succession about a longtime CEO, essentially. And I mean, Bobby Kotick pretty much comes off like he's Logan Roy from that show. Just like he's been a CEO of this ginormous corporation for 30 years. Bobby he's Kodak, definitely gotten into some some bad shit. Bobby Kotick comes off as someone like those in the industry who are, you know, they're in the know they can see behind the curtain kind of seems like some have already known that bobby kodak's been a bastard this entire time and they've made a point to distance themselves from them for most of their career and i get the sense that keely probably was smart enough to not associate himself with that man as much as he physically could yeah and i mean even if he was associated in any way whatsoever it's not like it would matter Keeley's just a media guy. It's fine. But um, the to get back on topic, Mark, I assume you probably wrote it, but we are going for year number three of Vin Diesel coming back. Yeah, I don't know what he could come with at this point. Like We know he's getting more and more into games. I don't, I don't know if the arc 
sequel has come out yet. It's not a scene I try to follow, really. But I don't think it has. Do we hear more about that? Maybe. Uh, but if if it's happened two years in a row and knowing it's Jeff Keighley, you know, if Vin Diesel is looking to talk about a game, Jeff Keighley will put him on his stage without hesitation. Could we get, could we get another Wheelman game? Do you guys remember that game? I have no idea what Wheelman is. Please tell us. It, it was like a GTA clone starring Vin Diesel back on the PS2, I think. Maybe <laughs> Xbox 360. Wheelman 2. Let's make it happen. I look up wheel time um, and I get the Amazon Prime show that's going on right now. That's not what I want. Do we have any uh, anything else on the prediction front, or can we get into what we've been playing? Only other thing I'd want to talk about is uh, a Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, I don't know. We we There was a huge Capcom leak. I forget if it was earlier this year or last year, but that was on there. I know a voice actor has talked a little bit about it after he got canceled recently, uh, kind of confirming that it exists. I don't know if now's the time that that gets shown off or not, but it's. I feel like Resident Evil remakes only get shown off at kind of bigger stages, so well, I, that's very possible. It could be time. I would be surprised if they talked about it so soon after the release of the VR version. Oh, true. I didn't think about that. Or maybe that's the perfect way to kind of bounce off it. What if they're like banking on winning? Is it nominated for the VR category? Um, uh, Resident Evil. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. Maybe they win that, and afterwards, Jeff Keighley's like, "Well, they heard you like Resident Evil Four. Take a look at this, everybody. World exclusive." And then there it is. Bam. Also, Hideo Kojima shows up at some point for something, and it will be underwhelming. Yes, it will. I think it would be. Yeah. All right. It's time to talk about what we've been playing. We missed a week, so I assume. We'll probably have more than normal, but we can try and make it quick so that we don't go too long in this episode. Does anyone want to volunteer to go first? Uh, I can go first. Perfect. I I got two games I want to talk about tonight, everybody. One is a game that I was playing in the summer. Uh, Said I started it, and then I haven't talked about it since and decided in the past week I'm going to finish this 30-hour game that I put like maybe five, five at most hours into. I've gone back and played uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. I finished it. Oh. Wow, you finished it. I did. I wanted to finish it before December. Uh, Get it off my list. I wanted to finish as many games as I could before December because I'm taking the dive into Dragon Quest. And I didn't want anything that doesn't get finished at this point is looking at not getting finished for the rest of the year because I'm just going to pour my soul into Dragon Quest XI. So I closed the chapter on Skyward Sword, a 3D Zelda game that we haven't seen 3D Zelda game in quite some time because Breath of the Wild was the rage and everyone's only going to want to see that from Zelda. And I've only played this 3D Zelda game once where I've played every, just about every 3D Zelda game where it's like dozens of times. And Skyward Sword is already a game I was very lukewarm on. I, I love to say bad things about Skyward Sword, but right now after finishing it, I don't have a lot of those bad things to, to talk about Skyward Sword. It's actually a really good uh, game. It's a good wow. Zelda game on top of that. And I think the Switch version is actually significantly better because the, the lack of motion controls actually makes swinging the sword uh, really cool. And there's a lot of fights that really take advantage of that. Uh, especially later in the game, I thought it was really cool. Just kind of just after you've mastered it, you understand, oh, 
I know which direction these enemies guard. Like, it's so blatantly like, I'm putting my sword over my head. You have to hit me from underneath me. But it's that, but except now there's 10 enemies running at you and you got to swipe at them all in the right direction. Just get them back, 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 back. Knock them down one after another. The combat, like, combat, I feel like, isn't something people talk about in Zelda games. Like, that's not something they bring to the table. But Skyward Sword actually has something to say. That, like, hey, we have we have something fun here to do that. And then when it comes to dungeons, I think... Uh, it's really interesting to look at Skyward Sword in a post Breath of the Wild world because I've not played a 3D Zelda game since Breath of the Wild came out. I know I want more Breath of the Wild. I feel like everyone is ready for more Breath of the Wild, but it's interesting to kind of look at what was just about over a decade of Zelda where this was the formula that they kind of always stuck to and make me kind of nostalgic for it in a sense, which is not something... I thought I would feel going into this game because it was so because this chapter of Zelda was just so dominant for so long. Um, Owen, you were kind of interested in Skyward Sword at a point, if I remember correctly. Um, I am no longer interested in it uh, technically, uh, I, I but I would, yeah, but I would maybe one day down the line play it just okay. because having more Zelda background is something. I think would be good to have. Like I definitely would point at other Zelda games before this one. Uh, but as like a Zelda fan, not just as someone who's interested in cool games that people say are cool and good, but Skyward Sword is the beginning of the timeline. And I, that's one of my favorite things about the Zelda series is this timeline because trying to, I feel like especially in the Nintendo realm, like a lot of devoted fans have tried to put a timeline together in a lot of these series. And sometimes maybe it doesn't make sense, but Zelda was the one where Nintendo actually put one together after years of fans theorizing. It's like, actually, yes, they do all connect. And in such an intricate way where there's three timelines because of shit that happens in Ocarina of Time. And the story here actually really holds up still, not just in the sense that I like the world, but I think the story on its own really stands strong. There's some really cool characters, some also not very cool characters in the game that I think is the one constant negative I've still had about it. There's the companion character, Fi, she's the sword. And Zelda games, all a lot of Zelda games, Breath of the Wild doesn't, very different. They have this companion character that kind of tells you, Link, silent protagonist, what's going on. A lot of the time, they kind of carry part of the story because they're cool characters. This time, they just give you a Siri in your sword, and sometimes it talks to you. It's really not cool there's potential there that they just don't they just don't take the initiative to be like hey we're gonna make this character more involved in our cool story they just don't want to do that but uh skyward sword good zelda game glad i've gone back to finish it i would love to maybe one of the reasons i'd love to uh, bring this into games club maybe at one point because i know peter has never played it or never seen me play it i should say because peter has seen me played so many zelda games i'd love to hear his take on it well, you might have to uh, convince him to play in a Pitch Peter Games segment in the future. True. I'm I'm shocked, though, that you've actually changed your tune on it. It yeah. shows that, like, as humans, we really can change. It's true. There's good in all of us. And there's good in Skyward Sword, too. In your next game? Um, I talked a little bit about it last week. And I think this is going to turn into a bit of a group discussion. But uh, I finished 
Game of the Year nominee, Psychonauts 2. A game I hope we can all say we love. Because, Owen, I've uh, heard whispers as of before we were recording that you were trying to finish this game. I happen to have finished Game of the Year nominee, Psychonauts 2 as well. Okay. Like, right before getting on this recording. Because you're so fresh. I've talked a little bit about it before. I want to know where your closing thoughts are. See if your opinions have changed from not liking it or not. Because let me just say this. It's my second favorite game of the year. For sure. I can say that I am firmly in the liking it camp now. I definitely like this game. I do not love it, however. Uh, And that's mainly because I... I have to be honest with myself on how I felt during the first half of this game in that I was not keen on it. And I still think that there are major pacing issues to this game. But after I took a break on it for like a month and came back, literally I just had to beat like two pretty small worlds. And then the story started taking off. Um, So like I kind of, it's like that, that meme that you'll see of like the person digging forward and then the person below them stops digging. And you can see that like, if they just dug for a little bit longer there, there were diamonds. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think the second half, maybe, maybe not diamond level, but definitely really strong storytelling. Some of my favorite worlds came in the second half, uh, Without spoiling anything, I'll just say a name. I I think my favorite world narratively is Cassie's world. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's a good one. Yeah. And um, just in general, uh, I do have more critical thoughts to say on it that I can get into a little more as we have a little mini discussion about it here. But I have been converted. I like the game. Don't love it. Don't know where it will end up on my end of year list, but it will, it will probably be on there. In fact, almost definitely be on there. But like, Mark, I'm curious. Um, Narratively is where this game really won me over. Like I, I talked about before how I thought it was weird that this game was nominated for best like action adventure and thought, Oh, never mind. The combat in this game is actually really cool. I still stand by that. But even with the first Psychonauts game, the thing that was so cool about it was uh, the different worlds that they kind of put into it. Uh, and how representative of someone's kind of like mental state they are. And you learn so much more about them with the little details, whether it's actually like the primary story of what's going on or just kind of like the little details that you see that's going on in someone's head that kind of paints a picture of who they are and stuff they've been through. And Psychonauts 2 still rolls with that so and, and so much better uh, because it's also telling uh, a, a really cool story. Not that the first one wasn't. Like a great, okay. Let's not get it. Like I don't think everyone was like super invested in the main plot of the first Psychonauts. We, if we I can bring up something page? real quick, sure, sure, sure. Because you're totally right. And I remember when we first reviewed Psychonauts one. One of my complaints narratively was that I felt the game did not dive deep enough into those into the memories of the characters. You could see little glimpses of it if you found certain collectibles. Well, you had to go and physically find that, like, go out of your way to find the more interesting narrative bits. And I remember Owen giving me shit for that, and he did not care for that being one of my negative thoughts. 
And I one of the many positives of Psychonauts 2 is that those sorts of narrative storytelling is way more front and center, and they dive way deeper into them in Psychonauts 2 for damn near any character whose mind you go into. And I just want to take this little moment to say, fuck you, Owen, I was right. I think this is a more mature game overall, for Absolutely. sure. I, I still stand by that. Psychonauts 1 did its job admirably. And I I do not think that Psychonauts 1 was a game that was really even aspiring to like hit you with those big narrative beats. It just kind of included in the background that, like, yeah, there might be a darker story behind here. But that's not what we're worried about right now. Um, this is definitely a game that tackles it more head on, and I I think they do a pretty good job at it overall, and that's definitely one of the strengths of this game. Um, what do you guys think specifically in platforming, and I guess somewhat combat, but I always noticed it in platforming sections. What did you guys think about like the speed of the gameplay, like the speed of Raz. I always thought he was just so slow to like almost a painful extent. In Psychonauts 2 specifically? Like, yes, yes, in Psychonauts 2. Damn, I I, mean, I could I'm, disagree more, honestly. I, I never thought I... On, I don't yeah. know if you go. No, 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 you go, you go. I was saying I was always on the levitate ball. Like one of the cons of the game, I would say, is like, there's a lot of times where like I would spend time like re-equipping different abilities because like there's like a point in time where I feel like I always wanted five equipped. And I would just have to jump between that and a new one, most likely like one that I just got for an area to just that's very crucial to the level. But Levitate never left because that is Levitate is the core of this platforming. Without Levitate, there is no Psychonauts, there is no Psychonauts 2. And I never thought that was too slow. Always just rolling around. Levitate was always good. Uh, I I more mean on on your feet. And I also remember Peter had this critique of Psychonauts one, and I I believe I agreed with it then. And I definitely agree with it in this game, of just like weird depth moments of you think you're going to make a jump, but like the depth of the game just doesn't allow you to see that you're not going to. It always happens specifically when you're like trying to grab a bar you can swing on. I could never tell if I was like actually going to make the jump or not. I would just kind of jump as far as I could and assume that Raz would grab onto it. Cause if I tried to finesse it, I was almost definitely going to mess it up. I never had that issue with two. I, I felt, and as I said, when I was playing through it, when it first came out a few months ago, I felt that they tackled nearly every major issue I had with Psychonauts 1, except a certain character or two. But for the most part, all of my, my major checklist of issues from Psychonauts 1, I think they were aware of everything that went wrong. Double Fine. I think Double Fine was fully aware of everything that they wished they could have done differently with Psychonauts 1 or things they would have certainly tweaked in little ways that would have greatly improved the experience. I don't... Again, I I don't think Psychonauts 2 is a perfect video game. I don't have any major issues with it. I love how... Da- I, maybe this uh, maybe I'll come off as pompous. I don't know. I love how bold and daring the storytelling that they choose to go with. 
because there are certain brains you go in where those people's paths are just incredibly dark and horribly depressing. So for several of the ones later in the game, there's really no bright light at the end of the tunnel. For some of the some of those individuals have just led really shitty lives. And they've and the game doesn't shy away from that. Because with a game as you know, cartoony and colorful as Psychonauts, it could attract some kids to play it. And I respect that this game goes for like a cartoony vibe, but decides to tell a very mature story and tells that story in very meaningful and clever ways. Oh, you're done. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm. I'm right there with you, though, Peter. That's definitely one of the things I love about it. Is like every brain story. I think is also so strong on their own. Where like you could just tell. You could just have someone play one part of the world, and like that's a very interesting experience. Like enough that I think they like could satisfy a person just on its narrative alone. I don't think there's a single brain you visit outside of like the dentist at the beginning because it's more of a tutorial level and there's a set of levels it's like a set of three i think we all know what i'd be talking about they're all smaller levels those ones don't necessarily stand out on their own but together they're kind of better uh but everything else definitely has a story to it uh that I think has a very strong thing to say, kind of either, whether it's about mental health or just the people's condition that they're they're in. It's that everyone has a different thing going on, and it all is still kind of fluidly comes together to the main story. Still, like it never feels like we spend too much time in any world. Or like it's like, oh, what are we? Like like maybe at times, I did it definitely in the first game. Uh, it feels like what are we even doing anymore? Like if you're trying to like pull back to what the main story was like the brains are kind of like side attractions almost that shine brighter than whatever the main story is supposed to be about but the game is a comedy the first one not trying to take itself too seriously but Psychonauts 2 really wants to set the bar uh and say like okay not just does every little detail matter but it's also going to pull back to this main story we're telling on top of that we're also building immediately on top of the first game and going far with that so loyal fans to this first game who've waited this long uh will will get a real deal kind of sequel experience that they're looking for and i want to ask you to who in your because again i know mine and i've i've talked about it when i first played it on this podcast but i won't hear from you who is the standout character of this game in your guys' opinion the standout character i i think i know who you're gonna say but I haven't thought about it enough to know whether I agree with it or not. Because you guys you're are just say, coming off pretty fresh from this game. You're going to say Ford. Yes, correct? I think Ford Crawler is the star of this game. Um, I think he he probably he probably is. He's the character that is most put on the stage to be able to do so. But there are a lot of the side characters. I ultimately really liked their oh, stories. Oh, sure. I, Other than Lily, like, I think everyone's great. I mean, everything yeah. about the Psychic Six is really interesting. They're whatever. so good, and I can't, I haven't really said anything because that's where all the spoilers really are for this game, but I think every member of the Psychic Six is fantastic. 
I really do. I fell in love with each member of the Psychic Six. I think they're so excellently written. I was so gripped by every one of their stories, and I desperately... I looked up guides of where to find certain memories for them in case I missed them because I wanted to know everything about all of them that I physically could. I think it's funny. Let's go minor spoilers, Psychonauts 2, everybody. All right, everyone, if you uh, want to play Psychonauts 2, skip to a certain point in this episode that somehow we will let you know what it is. Maybe it's in the description. Owen, what do you think? It will perhaps be in the description, assuming I do my job well, which is not always a guarantee. Okay, well, Psychonauts 2 fans, at least you got this warning. You can go three, two, one. Spoilers. Um, I think it's cool that even though like you you go into all of their heads except fucking Otto, like you just don't. There's just one you done. Whether it's because I got cut or not, I think it works just fine because Otto he seems like just to be like an asshole. <laughs> like like he's not great. He gives Raz all this equipment that he's not supposed to because he wants to date on it. He just has all these brains stored. Uh, even when you're in Bob Zanato's head on the island you talk to him and he's just like uh i didn't like this guy at all he's just a t- like a, a part of the package with helmet i loved helmet when i was and talking I, about characters who just lived horrible lives for the most part i was thinking of bob bob's, his, yeah. bob's life i mean his mother like drinks herself to death when he's a fucking kid his father's nowhere to be seen his lover is killed in a battle he just lives a lot like He's an alcoholic. Like, holy shit! This game looks like a Pixar movie, and this is the kind of story they're telling. And I respect them for that. I think Bob's in um, is like second favorite in the game, next to it's next to I think. Oh, last time I, I mean, for about... Helmets is my favorite world, and yeah. I love his story. Oh, and what's your favorite? Helmets is my favorite visually, and I think Cassie's is my favorite narratively. Because I just really liked the conceit of Cassie's world, which is the idea of, like, you're allowed to be different people in different contexts, and mm-hmm. you don't need to have an identity crisis because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think those would be my top two. My quick take on uh, on Otto and why we may not, why we didn't visit his head. I think it may be because, like, he seemed the most secure of all of the psychic six. Like the other five all had something like terrible going on within their minds. And Otto was, he was just Otto. He was selling shit to you. He was giving you equipment. He was doing a science experiments. Like he has no care in the world. Mm-hmm. What'd like, you guys think uh, while we're spoiling it? Yeah. What'd you guys think about like the twist at the end? I, loved it i loved it and part of what i think makes ford interesting is he's a cold motherfucker he comes off as this wacky cartoony character but then as soon as he puts his brain together you realize why he's a wacky cartoony character because he couldn't live with the horrible shit that he did and he's done some really bad things he's a complicated man like what he i didn't interpret his actions as like being bad per se it was mainly i would say what he does to raz's father is pretty bad okay wait 
Okay, explain exactly what you're talking about. We're in a spoiler section, so you're yeah, safe. Yeah, we are in a spoiler section. If And again, it's been a few months, so I don't fully remember correctly. In fact, I would even probably have to look into something to fully rejuvenate my memory, and I plan to for our Game of the Year discussion. But, and Mark, help me out here for a bit if I miss anything. If I remember correctly, is... Okay, Raz's grandparents, huh? Real, gr- they die in the ship. They do. They die in sea. I don't even and see. Starts- they just drowned. They just drowned in Slovakia or whatever it's called. I figure it's no. Malovia. Oh my god, you're right because they're killed by her. And then okay, I have to all come back to me. It's all come back to me. Fuck, I'm sorry. It's not all coming back to me. It's been a while, That's- Mark. Well, I'm sorry because well, well, I, yeah, 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 I, I, I remember. Gotcha. I'm so sorry. I This makes for horrible podcasting. I remember ending that game because afterwards, after you beat the game, you can go back and talk to each character and you'll have unique conversations with them about where do you see your future here? And you have a whole conversation with Raz's father about, so what are you going to do about Ford? Like, how are you with him? He's like, I'm, I'm going to need time. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to face him, but... You know, I understand why he did it, what he did, but at the same time, it's I'm probably never going to be okay with it. Okay, the, so this cool. was a moment I was like kind of confused by because, um, he, you see like the moment where Lucretia and your father meet in like a picture, and Ford explains that like your father was an orphan at this point. Did he like change his memories or something and make him think that he wasn't an orphan or yes, he did. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. He completely changed his mind and lied to him about the deaths of his real parents and just made him think that, Oh, your aunt is your mom and every, your entire childhood, well, maybe not entire, but he just drastically changed his mind because he had to, because he didn't want Lucretia to be killed or be put away in like a prison. So he just hit her along with Raz's family, when in reality, that woman is the one who murdered his parents. I see, I see. I I thought you might have been saying that, like, Ford was a horrible person for what he did to Krulovia, when I just, I interpreted it as, uh, like, his side of the story is the correct one, and the one that you get from from Nick is is not the correct side of the story. I know. I just think it's fucked that okay, you kid, your parents are dead, and that really sucks. But I love this woman way too much to really see her either be executed for her war crimes or be put away in a prison for the rest of her life. So I'm going to completely alter your memory, make you think that that is your mother and make you basically take care of and live with the woman responsible for your parents' death. And she might be your aunt, but that even with that relation in my mind, it's like, Ford, I don't think you're a horrible person, but that's a a pretty fucked thing to do. Yeah. Go ahead. And uh, I I was just going to say, yeah, that's not great. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely in... A mode where like I did just beat it like an hour ago and my thoughts are not entirely clear on everything yet. I thought it was kind of odd that Bob and Cassie had just been living right next yeah. to the Psychonauts <laughs> HQ. 
for decades. Yeah. And Cassie is one thing. Cassie has turned into a monster. Her, she's lost her mind. She's turned into a legend of, for kids to be scared of. Sure. Bob is just Bob. Bob isn't trying to hide who he is or where he is. He's just drunkenly himself in I his mean, old like, house. That's part of like part of his story is that like uh, he was married to Helmet, and that's why people liked him. Like people didn't really like him, so people just kind of forgot about him. That's what I kind of interpreted that as. Like here he's there, but it's because no one's looking for him. Like no one, none of the other Psychic Six, none of the cast of characters mentioned him other than the fact that he's in the Psychic Six. No discerning qualities about him, just like he's there. And I was so excited the whole game. Like, I want to meet this guy. Like, we don't know who he is. We know that he's related to Lily in some way. Like, you feel like, oh, if he's part of this family, he's got to be somebody. And then you find out, like, oh, no, he, he, he wasn't that to people. And the second, like, things are over, people just kind of pushed him out of their life immediately. And but I no one even knows that he's there. That's the what? to that level. I mean, everyone. I mean, everyone else in the psychic six, six kind of had their own shit going on, except Otto. Can we talk about Compton real quick? Holy shit! What a dark story. Compton, Compton, Compton. Is that, Compton uh, is oh, the guy oh, who yeah. controls the animals, and then okay, yeah. really, really bad shit happens with his animals that is he is fully responsible for. Remind me of that because the first half of the game is much hazier for me since I played it a while ago. He basically, his whole thing is controlling animals' minds to help him in combat and other situations. And when he is fighting, when they're fighting Grulovia, he is responsible on, like, inadvertently, he inadvertently sends a lot of animals to their death fighting that woman. And that's not all. But he is just responsible for I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah. What is it? Well, like, what part are you trying to figure out? I'm trying to, because Compton is fine after the battle with Grulovi. He sends a lot of animals to their death. You could see it in memory. That fucks them. But he continued... What the fuck am I... What the fuck am I forgetting? I, I remember seeing the memory where a bunch of animals die off his hand when he doesn't mean for them to die, and you just see like someone walk up to him as he's just staring, just staring blindly at the mess and just this just mass death of animals that he inadvertently created. I don't recall what separated them, but my main takeaway from Compton's world was that like he was dependent on Cassie for like his own mental stability. And then something split them up, whether she left or circumstances happened. I don't. I don't remember what the exact context was, but that was my main takeaway from from his story. I don't remember what separated them either, but it was definitely he became his own worst judge, of course, and couldn't do anything on his own. Just secluded himself in the the one sanity chamber. Uh, I remember him sending the animals to die but like his intention was like okay we gotta take down this maligula lady she's a big deal and sure it went wrong but it, it, like everything went wrong and what something anyone was trying to do on that mission they all blamed themselves for it in some way like that they could have done more especially and it hits them so much because when they were out in the woods doing their 
their own research and they were also vulnerable to themselves and exploring the mind that they all damaged themselves so badly. I've got the Compton memory. I've got it. And I remember why I felt this way. Oh, when Compton was young, he released a lot of animals from like a nearby, like holding cell. And they all just surrounded him, licking him and giving him love as a sign of thanks. But he was so overwhelmed by it. He accidentally blew them all up with his mind. What the fuck? Yeah. I didn't get that one. I didn't get that one. I remember, because no, I totally remember finding that one. And I was kind of stunned when I saw that because that was one of the first moments I was like, holy shit. That, that also gives a little bit of context to the whole joke of, uh, of Dogen blows up people's heads. Yeah. Compton lets them through. They all start looking at him. He gets really, really scared. And then the next slide is he's just around like a bunch of either like bodies or just like, depending on how bad, like piles of ash. Like he inadvertently brutally murders all of these animals that he tried to set free. And then when he sends a lot more to their death fighting Grulovia, he just kind of loses it. All right. Do we have any last minute thoughts on, uh, on Psychonauts 2 here? Cause we can't spend the whole episode True. going through do. everything. I, it's a very worthy game of the year nominee. And I honestly hope it wins. That's ah, my closing statement. That's where I'm at. I know we'll talk about the more we actually get there. If Metroid Dread or Ratchet win five, but man, Psychonauts 2 is... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it more. Yeah. Silence. Psychonauts 2 is Silence. fantastic. All right, Mark, were those your two games? That's all I got. Okay, I'm going to blitz through mine. We just talked about Psychonauts 2. I beat that. I beat Returnal, which I was very excited to do because it really did feel like an achievement. Final boss, pretty underwhelming, but the game as a whole, very difficult. And I should say that the journey to the final boss was uh was quite difficult in itself as well. Um I think Returnal is my favorite game of the year so far and it was in fact robbed by not being nominated for game of the year. And I just love 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 the combat in this game. I really like the world designs of everything and I've even been getting the itch to like do some post game stuff just because like I have this skill built up in me now from playing like almost 25 hours of this game. I I might as well use some of it. I haven't had any time to go back to it, especially with it being game of the year season. It's like, I'm just trying to blitz through as many games as I can. Um, but yeah, I love returnal. I've spoken on it multiple times. I plan to do a whole video breaking down everything on it. And uh, I don't feel I need to say any more on this podcast except for play Returnal if you have the ability to. The last game that I've played, I've put about two and a half hours into Metroid Dread. And I decided to pick it up on a whim because I knew I was going to be dog sitting. So. I figured, like, I'll just be able to use my Switch, get Metroid Dread. I'll be able to knock that off my list. Played a little bit that day. Played a little bit over the holidays. Haven't been able to touch it in about a week. But now that I beat Psychonauts 2, it will be my main priority. Um, Early impressions, I really like it. I think it's 
not like insanely difficult like a lot of people are saying although like boss battles give me a little bit of trouble but like only a little bit it's not anything i'm like ripping my hair out about so far um how many have you done i think i've done two maybe three i'm not counting emmys in that no um i think i've done two but yeah when you get there Uh, you get there for me it was the second to last boss which it took me two hours to beat and i wasn't having that much fun and then obviously as you said the final boss took me a while to beat but i was having a fucking blast my main takeaway is that I've been surprised at how little backtracking this game has really made me do. And there's even been times where I try to do some backtracking and the game will actually like block you off yep. from areas it doesn't want you to go to anymore. That's my mm-hmm. biggest issue with the game. Um, it's partly an issue for me. I, I assume this will be remedied at some point. I don't mind it so far right now because it does make the guidance of everything easier. It leaves a lot less doubt in my mind as to where I'm supposed to be going. But that may be corrected as I get further in the game because what I'm two and a half hours in, you assume I'm around the quarter mark of the game. Uh, Mark, what did you end with with Metroid Dread? Like my time? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. I, I was nine hours and f- fifty-seven minutes. I think I was Mark, in double digits. Were, um, I thought. I think you might be around like ten. I looked at your switch profile relatively recently and was close to that. He's okay. stalking, but you. I mean, I, 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 I love doing at, that with friends. I look at everybody's profile. I'm always looking to see what people are playing. Um. But yeah, my main takeaways have been based around basically just like the Metroid genre in general because it's my first experience and I think I'm liking it a whole lot, uh, but I can't really fully flesh out that opinion yet. What Hopefully other, I can by next week. What other Metroid games have you played or Metroid-esque? Um, I played maybe an hour of Guacamelee about uh eight six years ago six years ago <laughs> so and that's, that's my and that's it <laughs> yes okay um it's an inter- it's an interesting game to i don't want to say necessarily start on but if you played that much rock and like this will be your full-fledged metroid like experience and yeah there's, there's metroidvania and then there's metroid i think metroid's a little bit more distinct in the realm of metroidvania but we can talk about it later all right that's all i got peter what have you been playing i'm gonna go very quickly because i don't really have much of any real change to report i continue to play halo infinite i'm loving it i'm glad they're finally making some changes to the exp system i don't think it's enough but it's start i thought that the fiesta event was a joke in terms of many of the challenges you had to beat in order to unlock more and more into the awards, I was able to get at least the base level of the samurai armor, so I'm happy about that. But I really think 343 has to tackle this a lot more head-on than they really are. I understand they're about to launch the, the full game next... Holy shit, next week. But still great gameplay, really good maps. Please fix the leveling up system of the battle pass 
Thank you. I also continued Guardians finally after putting that off for a week and a half just because I've only been playing Halo Infinite. I put in another two to three hours last night. Still loving it for all the reasons I have stated previously on this podcast. I stand by them. I hope more people play that. I'm glad it got a few nominations at the Game Awards. I'm not surprised it didn't get Game of the Year. That's totally fine with me. I'm just glad it's getting some recognition. And I've actually also started playing Pokemon Shining Pearl, and I like it. It's just a cleaned-up, modern take on my second favorite generation. Uh, I'm reminded about how shit, how utter shit Pokemon stars, stories are and how awful Pokemon dialogue is. It, it's garbage. It's not worth it. But I still love Gen 4 Pokemon. Diamond Pro continue to be with some of my favorite DS memories. And I, unlike Gen 8, where I had to just ask a friend to beat it for me in hopes of getting into competitive Pokemon, but then those hopes quickly diminished, I definitely see myself actually fully playing through this game. And that's it for me. You had someone finish Gen 8 for you? You were there. Joe did it while we were at camp. You were I... right there the whole time. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, a lot happens at camp. Maybe I don't yes, remember. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, but I only wanted to bring up one other question. Or just a fun fact for Gen 4, everybody. Did you know, in Diamond Pearl, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl as well, there are only two Fire-type Pokemon. In the whole game. What? Yeah. you. There's only the starter in Fernape and Shimchar and his old evolution line. You can get Ponyta and Rapidash as well. That's it. In the whole game. And I mean, I think in the post game, maybe you can get uh, like the whole Pokedex worth or even more. But the fire types are really limited to the point where even there's an Elite Four member in the game. Who mostly does not have fire Pokemon, just Pokemon that maybe no flamethrower, and that's very strange that that happened that way. But maybe that was the way of trying to mix it up, just like, "Ha, huh, we've got a trainer that's a fire type trainer, but they don't have fire type Pokemon." I don't know, but they did that once. Fun fact. I I, I don't know. Do you do you really think Game Freak was putting that much thought into it? Yeah, I wouldn't. Mark, they're a bunch of lazy developers. Yeah. No, but we we know Game Freak. Yeah, I mean, I was joking. I think they're fine. I um, I'm looking forward to RCS Legends. Something different from them. We'll see. Well, maybe you can vote for that for most anticipated game at the Game Awards. I don't. I actually don't know if it's nominated. Let me look. I don't believe it is. I don't think it did. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it's not. I I mean, there's kind of a tour de force in that category of games we can. Uh, hope are good anyways our main topic today is finishing off this game award sandwich by predicting what will win the significant categories to us we're not going through every category we picked quite a few of them and we're going to go through the nominees specifically and we'll give our thoughts on stuff but the ultimate goal is to get a prediction as to what will actually win the award so the first one i have on the list here is best debut indie game. The nominees are Cana Bridge of Spirits, Sable, The Artful Escape, The Forgotten City, and Valheim. Now, we had the discussion uh, an episode or two ago about how Cana feels like it's cheating to be in the indie category just because like, they just had so much more help behind this game 
than majority of indie developers ever do. That being said, I think it probably runs away with this, right? Yes, sir. And, well, again, I said it myself. PlayStation gave them a healthy amount of funding for development. So I could see why some, you know, could be biased against this game in this certain category. But I, one, I wanted to win. The only game in this list that I think has an actual... Even then, I'm not sure, because the people... I was going to say the only other game that I think could win this is Valheim. Because in the first couple months of the year, Valheim dominated. It was on every everywhere you looked in the games industry. All you could see, you close your eyes, and you'd see Valheim on, underneath your eyelids. But I feel like a lot more reviewers in the industry played Kena while they didn't even touch Valheim. Mm-hmm. I think... I think the main competition that Kana might have here is actually the Forgotten City. I don't think so. I knew you were going to say that. I don't think nearly enough people have actually played that game. I think the Forgotten City falls under the same realm as Death's Door, where the people who love it are very loud and want everyone to know how much they love that game. But I don't think enough people actually did to carry it all the way to the end. That may be true. I just hear... I think Valheim should be getting more talk in general around this awards time, but I'm not seeing that talk getting kicked up. But I do see a lot of people talk about the Forgotten City just about every day from like the reviewer types that, that want to expose themselves to newer games like that. But I don't know. The... The predictor in me says Kana is just like an easy win here. I think because uh, you guys aren't saying anything about Sable. And not that I'm hearing much about Sable, but I feel like Sable's had a lot riding on it for a couple of years. Uh, I think Sable actually has kind of a chance. Not like Artful Escape definitely is not winning. I think we all just say an artful escape. Cool. Need it's Annapurna published. I was maybe interested in it for five seconds, but no. Uh, Forgotten City, I also am with Peter on this one, and I don't... I think people were pushing hard for this one to just get acknowledged at the very least versus just uh, winning a category. Like, people had to remind people so hard that this game came out and exists. Uh, so I, I don't think it goes further than that. I think it's either Kana or Valheim, maybe Sable. And I think it'll be Kana because the argument against Valheim, I think, is that while this game launched in such a wonderful state, and especially where a lot of games can kind of feel very empty, Valheim is this games to service game. Not games, it is a games to service kind of, but early access is what I'm getting at. It's an early access game that launched as if you could believe it's a kind of complete game. And there was a promise of so much more to come back in February when it came out and such little content has actually been added to it since, which is why it kind of fell off because they were taking their time. I mean, the props to the devs, instead of like, like diving into new content, they wanted to focus really hard on cleaning up the experience for a lot of problems people were having like kudos to them. But I think that kind of costs them in this conversation specifically where 
it was gone. And plus, on top of that, Valheim lives and dies on PC. Canna is only on PS4 and PC. No, it's on it's on PC. It's on right? PS5 and it's on Epic Game Store. Okay, yeah. So at least two different platforms, and it's got an eye and, and PS4 for the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is PS4. Is it on PS4? I didn't know that. It, I think I, so. I can't confirm. Uh, my roommate played it on PS4. Uh, but I would lean towards Kana, but I'd love to see Valheim get it. Same, same. But we're going to give best debut indie game to Kana Bridger Spirits. Congratulations. Next one up, Games for Impact, which is a category that I guess it basically just means like they did stuff with representation. Uh, that seems to be the main thing that is championed here i just want to say real quick i don't know anything about any of these games this is not any of them well well, let let me read them okay the games are before your eyes boyfriend dungeon chicory a colorful tale life is strange true colors and no longer home i know life is strange true colors because of things you guys have said I don't know. I mean, I think Life is Strange wins this one just by on name alone, but I don't have really any other opinions for this specific category. I apologize if that's a shitty answer. I just want to be upfront with that. I have no thoughts on this category. You don't remember Before Your Eyes? Owen talked about Before Your Eyes. Owen has played and gushed about this game on the podcast. I don't remember Before Your Eyes. Yeah, I, I gush about it like basically every chance i get i know but I, it's you just don't listen to me it's fine i'm being honest um, i don't remember it before your eyes is what i would like to win here because i think it should have been nominated for best narrative and it was not uh you've but talked about I, chicory before i remember you talking about chicory which i've never played well i remember you talking about it. <laughs> but um my opinion on this category is I know Life is Strange has the name recognition. I Is this the only category Chicory is nominated for? I believe so. There's a lot of people at outlets that like love this game and whatever these voting room looks, uh, these voting rooms look like at these outlets, I could see people pushing hard fucking vote for Chicory for this category because it got robbed in every other category, so it needs to win something. Um, I could see a big Chicory push, personally. I think I could see Chicory. Chicory or Life is Strange, I think, takes it here. I could be convinced, like, if I were someone in the room, as someone who has not played Before Your Eyes, from what I understand of that game, I could definitely be convinced as to why that could win, because that sounds like a very interesting game. I'm uh surprised i never actually went out of my way to try to play it because i i was kind of sold on it when you were talking about it before it's... 90 minutes man you get 90 minutes one day maybe during holiday a uh, break i could find a way to play it i don't know we'll see as long as you have a webcam i could make that work still um but i don't even know what no longer home is that's the one i don't know anything about i've never heard of it which is like at this point it's pretty unbelievable for us to like never even have heard of a game uh being as tapped in with like the podcast and stuff as we are um boyfriend dungeon just had a whole lot of controversy around it for pointless reasons like it it seemed really silly especially because like 
it was about a character who's like really abusive in a relationship and that's like it sounds like they might be the main antagonist from what i can gather like the game is just all about that kind of a dynamic in a game that's all about how you manage your relationships and that's why i think the game's even nominated in this category because that's what it's trying to tackle there uh but people saw it in a negative light and thought it was really problematic i guess without like a sort of warning uh sending death threats to the actor that played said character and also i'm pretty sure there was a trigger warning to begin the game and even then people were saying well that's not enough i I don't know you consented to play this thing of entertainment that's Mm -hmm. all i care about um that's a rant for another time though because we have to talk about best independent game the nominees are death's door cana bridge of spirits Inscription, Loop Hero, and 12 Minutes. Let's talk about it right away. Why on earth is 12 Minutes invited to this party? I don't know. What the fuck? Like, I know I'll never forget how early in the year we thought, man, maybe 12 Minutes will be nominated for Game of the Year. Could you imagine? This feels like people... It feels like people were like going into military service in July and they had to like write in their votes for game of the year early and they thought, well, I'm sure this game's going to end up being as good as we thought. And then they just wildly voted for it without actually knowing the full context of this game, because otherwise I don't understand how this game made it on any list. I got surprised Chikri wasn't nominated here. Like it's a game none of us have played, so we can't really speak to the specifics of it. But from like we we're saying before, I feel like this game, that game got so much buzz and 12 minutes also got a lot of buzz i don't know how one showed up over the other here loop hero i'm glad that's your inscription i heard cool things about that uh and this is where death store also has its one is this the only category death store is nominated for i believe so yes yeah yes i think this category like it's almost really good nominations until you hit 12 minutes and the winner could be i think i don't think loop hero stands as strong as the other three 12 minutes, not in the running. It doesn't stand a chance. People will go out of their way to make sure this game does not win because people hate it so much. It's between I, Death Door and Kena. I don't know. I think Inscription might be in the conversation. I think Inscription too. came out way too late in the year, honestly. I don't think I don't think enough people were able to play it or really sink their teeth into it long enough for it to overshadow the long-standing positivity that Kena and Death Door had for them this year. I don't know... I don't know when voting cuts off for them, but I'm I'm seeing a lot of people get their end of the year playthroughs in of inscription. Maybe recency bias pushes it ahead. I I really don't know if it'll be enough people, but between like what we've deemed to be the final three here of Death Door Canaan and Inscription, I genuinely I don't know which way it'll go. I'm definitely gonna say inscription. If I'm putting my money anywhere. I'm voting inscription. I think I'm going to vote Death's Door. I think I am too. Because I think Kena wins. What was it again? Best debut, debut. indie game. I mean, I, I mean, games win more than one award many times. And Kena is nominated for even more than just those two. Whereas a lot of people did still like Death's Door. And this is the only award it's actually up for. So I could say, I could see a lot of people just collectively going. Well, let's at least make sure that Death Door gets acknowledged and gets some attention from the show because it deserves it, and we want the devs to you know do better for themselves. But if Kena wins, I also won't be shocked. 
I won't be shocked if any of those three win. My money goes on Death's Door, though. Peter's money goes on that as well. And Mark goes on Inscription. Is that the first split we've had? I think so. I think so. Before we go on, I'm going to start taking notes of who we thought well. We all thought Kenna was going to get debut, right? Yep. Yes. And we all think Life is Strange is going to get in. No, no. I think it's Chicory for that. That's right. I was also on Chicory. I think it's Life is Strange. Okay. Okay. So we have a split there. And then Peter, you're Kenna. No, for best independent game, I'm Death Door. Okay, pardon me. I am also Death Store. And I and am Inscription. We are moving on to Best Art Direction, which I think could be an interesting conversation here. The nominees are Deathloop, Cana Bridge of Spirits, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and The Artful Escape. I love Ratchet and Clank, and I love Kena. It's fucking Psychonauts 2 with a bullet. I will fight you if you don't say that. I will fight you. Is, I completely agree. It is Psychonauts 2. I, I, I think Kena's art style is beautiful. It's a gorgeous world. I think Ratchet and Clank does a fantastic job of really showing off the hardware of the PS5 and really emphasizing this is a big deal. The kind of shit that we can pull off with this new tech, we're going to fucking prove to you every time, every chance we can as PlayStation that it matters. But it's Psychonauts 2 with a bullet that game is beautiful from start to finish and it's whereas i feel like a lot of these games all do have similar looking environments ratchet does mix it every now and again each world in psychonauts 2 is so drastically different than what came before it and i think it is so impressive and that it can take entire different almost like concepts of other games and make entire levels out of each one of them and make them so unique and different than what came before and what comes after and this is Psychonauts 2. Mark, I'm prepared to, I'm prepared to fight you. Deathloop, guys. I think we're really underselling Deathloop here. I, I think the two competitors here are Psychonauts 2 and Deathloop. I, yeah. I, I, Artful Escape, I don't know enough about. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> Uh, I feel kind. I feel interested to like play it at some point if it's like a super. It's like on sale for a super amount because it's an Annapurna game. I feel like maybe it could surprise it's me. On Game Pass, it is on Game Pass. Okay, it is. If it's a short one too, maybe I could find a time. But uh, Ratchet and Clank is a pretty game, but I don't think any environment I was in really stuck out to me. Like it's, it's a just pretty it for me, but not. For Ratchet, I Ratchet, I had moments where I stopped the game and just kind of stood there for a bit and looked at this. Wow, mm-hmm. I can't believe that this is what first-party PlayStation games look like. This is crazy. Whereas Psychonauts 2, I put the controller down on my jaw. I had to pick my jaw off the fucking floor with some of those levels because I couldn't believe, oh, I'm playing this? I can interact with this environment? Are you fucking kidding me? This isn't a movie I put on on HBO Max? Like, Yeah. But I think Deadloop oh. and Psychonauts 2 have leaned more into their creative sides than at least Kana and uh, Ratchet do. You really think Deadloop wins this category over I, Psychonauts? I'm definitely leaning towards Psychonauts 2, but if I think there's a second place, I think Deadloop could sneak up on people here. Okay, great, but this is the, the second the, place award. Is it? And visual... I'm going to vote Psychonauts. That's where I go. 
the visual identity of Deathloop is like one of its strongest aspects. Um, but that being said, Psychonauts 2 is just so visually creative all the time. It never it's, stops. It just doesn't. <laughs> it's really, it's really incredible. Uh, some sometimes like the I can think of multiple different reveal moments where you're kind of like either you're like walking down a hallway or uh like taking a raft or something through something and then the screen will start to go black and like some colors will burst in of the things ahead of you it's like my god these are like incredible shots we're seeing here um really just like the artistry on display full force i think is maybe even better than the writing of psychonauts 2 i think it might be like the calling card of the game Sounds like uh, a strong game of the year contender is what I'm hearing. Oh, here. Yeah, I heard the same. Well, it's definitely in my book the winner of best art direction. I'm locking in my answer too. Psychonauts two art direction. I've already obviously done that for me. Okay, next one is best score in music, which I don't have a huge opinion on, but I included it for a specific reason. Can we uh, shorten the reading of that third title, please? No, that's the full title. Jeff the games are it. Cyberpunk 2077, Deathloop, Near Replicant version 1.22474487139, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Artful Escape. I included this so that Mark could give near opinions specifically. Oh yeah, it's near. Near should win. Absolutely. The the near soundtracks are just unrivaled. They're just on a level that no other games are on, I still think. I think uh, the Artful Escape wins this. I would be so I mean I would I would lose respect for the game awards. Any like respect I have for them goes away if Cyberpunk wins this. Like oh, if that okay. somehow happens. I don't think that I, will I happen, but like fuck. Mark, read that title to me again. Uh, Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. stopped listening and they're like, Artful Escape was pretty, and then they voted for that. No, no, that's not. You just have to listen to the music in Near Replicant, and that speaks for itself. And that's what That title scares people off, Mark. That title and, and scares you know people. Fortunately for them, for this category specifically, you don't have to read the title. Someone just has to press play. If they're not going to play video. the fucking game, they're not going to listen to the music, Mark. Well, the artful escape at least entices people looking for great music more than people. People read New Replicant version one put on one points. No. I just want one. I'm no, looking for one no. game. No, Peter, it's a JRPG. People are familiar enough to be like, oh, this is another weird one. Okay, I can let's see what this is all about. And it's just the square root of 1.5. That's is this all. A, is. is this a, is this a, a remake? A sequel? Is it a prequel? You don't know what this is from that fucking title. This is well, like reading well, we Kingdom Hearts. We don't need to. It's, a, it's about music. Yeah, literally. Like the judges no, in this. What don't the point have I'm getting no is the point I'm making is it is about music, but I'm willing to bet a lot of people voting did not play that game because they did not know if that was a prequel, a sequel, a reboot, a remake. That title tells you nothing. Tells you fucking nothing. And I, I know near 
Automata or Automata, what the fuck it is, was popular the year it came out. I'm not going to try to sound like an FF14 jackass and be like, nobody played Nier Automata. But I do not think the Nier fan base is big enough to garner the attention of just your avid Nier fans or those who respect it from the sidelines with a fucking horrible title like that. Peter, I want you to know a Nier mobile game came out this year. So Nier fans, they got a mobile game. There are three Nier raids in Final Fantasy fourteen as well. This fucking game. Yeah. And on top of that... 14 won't leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, Square Enix has dipped into Nier at this point. It's out there. And Yoko Taro, he had another game come out this year, a card game that I, was, I looked at for a second. It was in the last Nintendo Direct. I don't know if you remember that at all. Uh, but that came out for him. Uh, one of the Final Fantasy producers said, oh, we'll give Yoko Taro. We would love to give him a Final Fantasy game. We'd love to, like... Him and Nier, they're here to stay. They're out here. People know what this game is. And especially, like, despite all of that, to judge in this category, this is the one you need the least experience in playing the game. You literally just need Spotify. Because Nier Replicant soundtrack is on Spotify. Okay, the the original Nier soundtrack is on Spotify. Nier Replicant version 1.224744871399, not on Spotify. I would love to see that happen, but... Uh, these even these tracks, a lot of these tracks are used again in Automata because they were so good. Which I don't know. The only the only way I don't see this winning is where people get stuck on that complication or that technicality that oh, this is just remastered tracks of some of the greatest pieces I've ever put into music or into games. Pardon me, pardon me. I think I think you guys are both majorly off base. Really? Yes. In a sense, you think someone we- else is winning. We have to predict who we think is going to win. And in my mind, I think there are only two options as to who's going to win. Mm-hmm. Based almost nothing on the music, there's one possibility where we know that Deathloop is going to have a big night if it takes this category. If Deathloop somehow wins score in music, which like has fine music, nothing like super standout. Then we'll know, like, oh, the death loop box was checked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It and then be the stopped. the other uh, nominee that I am going to pick personally is Low Hanging Fruit. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. As because someone it's score and music, and they're just gonna be like, oh. 80s music. But as someone who's currently playing through, I will say they do have their own original. Because they do change up Peter Quill's origin in this game. And Star-Lord is an actual band in this world from the 80s. And they, there is a lot of like unique songs that they made for the game. But as far as I am right now, you can only really hear them if you decide to just turn them onto your radio on, your sh- on, on the Milano. I, I mean, I, I love a lot of the 80s music that's in the game. I really do. But I don't think it's fair, you know, because yeah, you know, being fair is how people determine the rules. But I don't like, that also sounds childish, it doesn't win all the 80s music. I just don't think it does. I don't think well, that's enough to give it the award. What I do don't you think, think people are going to see this and go, I like Take On Me. They're gonna, I don't think a lot of people are going to think they're voting for the man who sold the world. 
you know? I think a lot of people will think they're voting for that. That's it, I'm this is my doomer pick. I think it would be a travesty if like the game that plays a lot of 80s music wins best score in music cuz it does have like, a good score to be fair. Like a lot of the music made for the game itself, it's good at what it does, but I don't think it deserves best score. You know? I I just think like people are going to gravitate towards the familiar, and I'm picking Guardians of the Galaxy. No talking me out of that. I'm picking our escape. I'm picking near. And we are moving on. I can't on. fucking wait till you're wrong, Mark. I can't wait I, till you're wrong on that. Want to bet, Peter? Want to make a bet? Yes, I do. I'll wait. If you sound like a fucking teacher, that was the goal. Yeah, <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> what's the bet what's the bet because i do not think near wins this um if near wins you play near near rep- i'm not making this bet i'm not making this bet i'm not making this- <laughs> i'm backing off no i refuse, I refuse uh, 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 where is this feeling <laughs> coming from peter i thought i'm not i'm not so up my own asshole that i think my opinion is gospel i can live in a world where near win- i don't think it does but i can imagine a world where near wins, and then I have to. My night is ruined because I have to play a fucking near game. I don't want to do it. Here is the other catch, though. If any other game wins, not just our full escape, if anything except near wins, pick a game. I'll play it. Under Kena Bridge of oh. Spirits. Oh, sure, that's easy. I'd play Kena. Shake. Are we gonna shake on this? You did it. You like that too much. I want you to pick a game that makes you go fuck, but you probably wouldn't because you're a lot more open-minded than me. Aha, uh-huh, he says it. I mean, pick something. <laughs> you pick, I don't care. I lose what in this pick. scenario, pick, no matter you what. Fucking, I don't know if civilization has an end. Really, you could pick something along the lines of that, and I would shake on it. I love civilization. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, if if I start playing Civ Six on my Switch at any point, like I'm losing, I'm losing that whole day, and then I'm not allowed to pick it up again because I can't just like afford to lose days. I, I, yeah, sure, fuck it, fuck it, we'll shake on it. And you play, you have to play Kina. I'll play Near. Oh shit! To make it even better for you, Peter. <laughs> Uh, you you can even have a week to change the game if you think of something better. For you? For me, yeah. Okay. And uh, by the time the next episode goes live, we'll know the answer to all of this already. Actually, will we? I don't know if we will. That's the day before the Game Awards, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, shit. That's bad timing. Yeah. Do we, uh, wait, this, do we record this... later? Um, I mean... We we'll talk about this bet once it comes to fruition in two weeks. That's it's unfortunate that it lines up uh, like that with our show, but here is something we won't promise, but maybe we'll have the opportunity to do it. We could do our normal like Wednesday recording, and then ideally we try and find a shorter period of time after the game awards maybe even over the following weekend where we record like 30 minutes on our, on our thoughts, maybe even less. I would like that. I'd be down for if that. If it could too. happen, if it could happen, that would be ideal, but we're moving on to best game direction. The nominees are death loop. It takes Two, returnal psychonauts Two, and ratchet and clank rift apart. 
I don't know. I don't know where to go for this one. I, I really don't. I think I do. I know what I think deserves to win. I know I think I know what will win. I have a favorite as well. Mark, do you have a vague thing to say about this category? I mean, this is usually where game of the year, I can never, we've talked about what makes game of the year and we can't put our finger on the pulse of it, but I think best game direction is where the game design really kind of speaks loudest and people really appreciate what a game is trying. Like this is where Death Stranding won in 2019. Um, No, was 2019 it was 2019 right yes yes outer wild was also nominated in this category it's also kind of like the second place game of the year because a lot of the, the the nominees overlap there because i think a lot of the, the the reasons why these games are nominated are also valued here where this is just trying uh like experiences that are, are really i don't want to say unique but uh very distinct in a way very similar way of saying that but uh these games are trying something that no one else is really trying or doing super well and going somewhere like it takes two is very much that I think psychonauts two is very much that returnal partially that I think death loop. Not a lot of people make immersive Sims death loop is that and it's a really good one. Personally, I think it could go between returnal. It takes two and death loop based on all that. I would love to give it to Returnal. It wins my personal award. But I'm going to treat Best Game Direction as the number two. As in, like, it's it's going to basically second place game of the year. And I am quite literally going to give it to the number two by giving it to It Takes Two. Mm, okay. I think you I give it to Death Bastard. I'm Did going, I beat you to it? Yeah, because I was also going to vote for It Takes Two. Okay. I'm I think It Takes sure. Two... And it's also going to, spoiler, it's going to bleed into what I pick for the next category as well. I think It Takes Two is going to have a better night than anyone's giving it enough credit for. I really do. I think people look at Hazelight in a really positive manner because we are seeing a new developer just bring themselves up higher up on the like the quality scale which ETH, with, with each and every new game that they put out. And I think... I'm going to sound pompous here for a second. It Takes Two Story is about divorced parents and their complicated relationship with their child, and games industry people eat that shit up. They just eat that shit up for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert, and then do it all over again the next day. And I think the unique way that they tell that story, with it being a co-op platformer in a very cartoony world, but not my usual type of cartoony world like a Psychonauts 2 or a Ratchet, the art style that the game's chosen with how every like the, the mom and the dad are turned to the toys and the entire game is basically just if I believe if I remember correctly, a lot of it is just based on like their daughter's room or some shit like that. I I think it takes two is going to win because the way it tells its story is you Yeah, I think that makes sense. The method of which this game goes about telling its story is the most unique out of the five. I also think it's just going to get credit for being such a strong co-op platformer that I I feel like I've heard a lot of talk about its level design, though I can't speak from experience because I if, still have not played it. And at this point, 
I kind of don't think I'm ever going to. I tried. If they ever make it, hey, 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 it's like Nia. If you can make this game cross-play between PC and console, I will play that game with my friend as soon as we can. Cross my heart. Hope to die. Please do that. Peter, what if when I came home for holidays, we played It Takes Two, you know? You bring a second Xbox controller and I'm down. Done deal. I've got one. I can do it. Let's do it. All right. Locking it in. Sorry, friend of Peter. It's mine. (laughs) All right. Moving on to best narrative. We have Deathloop, It Takes Two, Life is Strange, True Colors, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Psychonauts 2. If you were to ask me this question a couple of weeks ago, I'd say it was between Life is Strange and Guardians, because people are really talking about that Guardian story. But Psychonauts 2 is definitely part of this conversation, for sure. I, I think Psychonauts 2 is the best one here, probably. I agree. And I'm again, I'm currently playing through Guardians of the Galaxy. And I am really, again, I've, as I've said, I'm really liking the story. I as I get further in, it's differentiating more and more from the MCU Guardians, which I respect the hell out of, because I'd say other than Spider-Man PS4, so many Marvel games as of late have just done their best of like clutching onto like looking like the MCU that it loses a lot of appeal to me. Because if you're just gonna try to mimic the MCU, I'm just gonna go to the MCU because it's gonna do whatever you're doing better. Wait, did you say you think Spider-Man PS4 does that? No, I said it doesn't. I said it's the exception. Oh, okay, okay, good. Yeah, no, because a lot of other like the Avengers game. I feel like the Avengers game does a lot of holding on to the MCU, but it doesn't go far enough to the point that yeah. it kind of just makes me not want to play it. Well, there's many reasons I don't want to, but again, I am liking Guardians' story a lot so far. I am. But Psychonauts 2 is Psychonauts 2. But I, I worry about It Takes... I say I worry as if I'd be mad if it won. Again, I kind of worry about It Takes 2 winning it just because it's a parent and kid messed up relationship story and games industry people will never get enough of that. I think Life is Strange takes it, though. Sorry, I wanted to cut you off there. Uh, We were both kind of hesitating to see who was going to jump in first, and then we jumped in at the same time. It's fine. But um, I think Life is Strange takes it simply from the logic of looking at this category and being like, well, Life is Strange is is a narrative game. So, like, it just must have done better. I think Deathloop should not be in this category it takes two i i hear enough people that are kind of 50 50 on the story that might uh end up hurting it in this category guardians while it differentiates it is another superhero story so i don't know if people will be as inclined to give it to it for i that fucking reason. hate that people call guardians they're superheroes they're not superheroes the bouncy hunters in space they don't even have superpowers. They're just fucking people. So my discussion comes down to Life is Strange versus Psychonauts 2. And I'm conflicted. Because I don't think either game has like a jaw-dropping plot, per se. You're wrong about what it was. I think the... like the parts within each game are really strong. Like the characters within life is strange and the little stories you can have with each of them is really strong. Psychonauts too. I think 
the stories of each individual world is much stronger than the overall plot. Um, if it was a personal award, I would lean giving it to Psychonauts 2, but it's not. So I think my official prediction is Life is Strange. I'm Even though I love Life is Strange, I don't want to talk shit about that. I think kind of like how you've said on your, your takes for Psychonauts Owen, where I think the pacing in the early half can be a bit of a problem for people. And I think overall, like the beginning, middle to end, Psychonauts really shines in like the little stories it's telling along the way. And the grand overall story is it's it's good, I still wanna say. Like like it's it's great, but I think there's consistent uh, uh narrative strength throughout all of Life is Strange, or maybe there isn't with Psychonauts. Uh if we're talking like these this is a situation where like we're going to compare games that are really different from each other but also trying to accomplish something it gets tough and maybe it takes two if i knew more about it uh i'd have more to say on that in here too but i i think uh you could overlook a lot about psychonauts 2 and its narrative i think there's a lot of strong theme in there from moment to moment but I think Life is Strange is wrapped up all together as one narrative experience better than Psychonauts is. But here, I'm going to make one good push for Psychonauts 2 here. In that, Psychonauts 2 really has things to say. Oh, it does. And it it's like not shy about that at all. Life is Strange True Colors is a game that I really enjoyed this year. I don't think that that game says anything impactful nothing super directly i don't think it's not very direct where psychonauts very much not even just like is very much like wearing what it wants to say on its sleeves but it does a really good job at talking about uh, a lot of emotional and mental health issues where i think so many people fail to talk about and communicate correctly not that i am the master of what the correct way to talk about these things are but it's i feel like it's really good at reaching people and making them think about it where this stuff can be really hard to kind of interpret, but it's, it's very natural. Life is strange. There's whole, like I see people talking about how that's spoilers. I can't say that, but the, there's certain stuff towards the end of the game or throughout the story that I want you to pick up that it's talking about, but it's just so subtle and even the subtlety can be effective for a sto- telling a story, but like how, like how much is your story tackling it if it's so pushed to the back in a sense i wonder but i i i left life is strange thinking like that was a really like well put together young adult drama that wasn't trying to say anything too strong about anything it was just trying to like convey this like pretty exciting plot mm-hmm. um i still think it wins i'm sticking with that I might regret that later on, but Psychonauts to to its credit does a lot more. But Mark, your prediction: Are you sticking with Life is Strange as well? I, I stick with Life is Strange, but I think Psychonauts two is the most worthy of winning. I would vote for it, but I think Life is Strange wins. And Peter took Psychonauts two, and we move on to best performance. We have Erica Mori, who plays Alex Chen in Life is Strange: True Colors. We have Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Anton Castillo in Far Cry 6. Jason Kelly, 
who plays Colt Vaughn in Deathloop. Maggie Robertson, who plays Lady Demetrescu from Resident Evil Village. And Ozioma Okaga, Akaga, that's what I'm going to go with, Akaga, who plays Juliana Blake in Deathloop. Thoughts? Peter, tell I us did not play any of these games, but I'm just going to say, uh, yeah, Giancarlo Esposito for Far Cry 6 because he's a fantastic actor and people are going to see that name and go, of course it has to be him. I think I it's think... a crime if Erica Mori doesn't win because she really carries Life is Strange. And Colt and Juliana's characters carry their games as well, but not to the, like the, the story really is good in Life is Strange Deathloop. It is questionable. I am going to have one of my no faith picks in the voting body, and I'm going to pick Giancarlo Esposito, who I'm sure <sighs> does plenty good in far cry six i've I've heard people say that he's pretty good he does just take like the typical far cry role of like this villain that is going to have a long soliloquy about how you know people people think they want freedom but they don't actually want freedom and people eat that shit up so that's going to be my vote this is i mentioned before we're Near would be the category I get the most upset about if it wins. I take that back. This is the category I get really upset about if Erica Mori does not take it. But I feel very strong about it. I I think this is a little more split because I I would actually be happy if either of the two Deathloop people won because I think their performances are strong. Can I add a second layer onto my prediction for this? Sure. Sure. This is going to be, last year. You had this award. It was a big centerpiece. It was one of the first, and like, because you know how they always like will skim through a lot of different categories. This will be a category that gets skimmed through this year because last year all five were big video games industry people, so they knew realistically all five people would show up to this thing, right? And this year they're just gonna skim through it, not really give a speech because it's gonna be Far Cry Six, and he's not gonna show up. Because he has probably better things to do with his life. And Keely is just going to have this be a quick category that's passed by. He's like, oh, yeah, Chris Esposito, he was really great. And Far Cry 6, you know, really loved you. And then they're going to move on. You know, Laura Bailey won this category last year for Abby, which is not a bad pick. In retrospect, um, I think I probably would have given it to uh, Logan Cunningham who played Hades because the voice acting in Hades is just like way too good. Like so good that we don't, we don't deserve how good the voice acting in that game is. I would deserved agree. credit. Um, so me and Peter went with Giancarlo. Mark went with Erica Mori and we are moving on to the final category. The big one. Ooh. Game of the year. Ooh. And the nominees are Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. Ratchet and Clank, against all odds, I feel like, make it onto this list. 
really didn't. I earlier in the year I was convinced, but after we were getting so many more big hitters, I I thought there was no way in hell Ratchet was making it, but it did. I want to start with the agenda. The agenda is that cartoony platformers, after years and years of eating shit, they're coming back. And they're coming back with a vengeance, as we can see here. And I'm all here for this cartoon revolution. What year did they eat shit, Peter? I need to know. Every other year they weren't nominated for Game of the Year, Mark. Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze should have been nominated for Game of the Year. Was it? It was not. That was 2014. Because he was because Donkey was having shit for his birthday. For whose birthday was it at the beginning? Is it Donkey or Diddy? Uh, I think it's Donkey Kong. Oh, yeah. Instead of a banana cake, they're eating shit because the Game Awards didn't recognize their greatness. We not only have one great cartoony third-person platformer, we have two. Two. From two of the big three, may I add. We're back. We mean business. And we are worth a damn. That being said, Deathloop wins game of the year. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, there's no way in hell the... If this is inappropriate, beat me. But the hard-on that the games industry has for Deathloop can be felt at every moment of every day of this year. I don't I don't know if I agree with that as much as it was the case when like reviews first came out. I don't see like Deathloop praise every day. That being said, I kind of regretfully say that out of this list, my personal pick would be Deathloop from what I've played. You liked Deathloop more than Psychonauts 2. I did. You're a from a bastard. Per- perspective You're a bastard for that one. I mean, I I do think Psychonauts Two is better narratively, but Deathloop kept me hooked from a gameplay perspective the entire time. On this list, I I truly think Psychonauts Two is from the bottom of my heart. I've actually played like three of these games. I know. I wish I'd played more. I tried to play It Takes Two. I was failed by Hazelite. I just feel from my bones that Psychonauts 2 deserves this, but I don't think it wins. I just, I think it's Deathloop. And maybe this sounds curmudgeon-y of me. I feel like a lot of people in the games industry who loved Prey and Dishonored, but those games never really got their due, are getting their second win through Deathloop, and they're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure it wins Game of the Year so that this sort of genre starts getting more eyes on it. I think there's at least some truth to that, but... I'm not trying to make it sound like it's this big conspiracy. I just think there's probably some people in the voting contingency who see Deathloop and they say, finally, we can tell people how great the genre is. My... My body and my mind that I occasionally use as a socio-political thermometer monitoring wow, the gaming industry. Title: The three games that I think have a chance are Deathloop, It Takes Two, 
and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Really? Yeah. The three that I go to are Deathloop, It Takes Two, and Metroid Dread. Okay. I mine are Deathloop, It Takes Two, and Psychonauts Two. I think those games have a shot. Mark, I want Psychonauts Two. You know I do. I just don't think enough people played it. I don't think enough people played. Uh, I don't know how many people impressed played Dread, but I don't think I. I would. Hmm. I Mark, I think more people played Metroid Dread than they did Psychonauts Two. In the press, I think specifically. So what? Yeah, yeah, I do oh, yeah. think so. Because people have been making a stink for Metroid for years and years and years. Like, and when was the last time we got a brand new original two D Metroid game? Returns as a remake. Does it count? I don't know. Exactly. I... Mark, I think Psychonauts... I played Dread and Psychonauts 2. I think Psychonauts 2 is the better game. And I did really like Dread. But I adored Psychonauts 2. I think more people... There's an entire genre based off of Metroid. And we've also been seeing Psychonauts 2 every year for the last, like, five years. Whereas Metroid Dread was announced and released in the span of four months. Four or five months. And people have said nothing. People who people didn't just like Dread; they loved Dread. And I think Metroid Dread appealed to a much wider base of people than Psychonauts too, because there are a lot of people who've played Metroidvanias in the past, and they've they know that oh man, I love this. I love say Ori or I love Hollow Knight, but I haven't really played like what inspired these. Where where did this all stem from? What was the beginning of this genre? Oh, it's Metroid Dread coming out on Switch, a platform that is readily available to a lot of fucking people. So yeah, I definitely think Metroid Dread was the bigger game this year out I of the two. Like, sure, Metroid has that history over everybody, but I don't think, like, for the foundation of what made Metroid great is what Dread, like, capitalizes on. I think Dread capitalizes on incorporating a really amazing uh, action experience into that. And in some ways, it is very complimentary. In other ways, I don't think it feels different enough. It feels like it is... I don't want to call it a gimmick, per se, but it is It is a new flavor of Metroid where I don't think it is... Uh, a, a, not, not even a new flavor. It is a refined flavor. I don't think that matters at all because a lot of people, me and Owen included, and I also think people in the games industry, this is probably their first Metroid. They don't have, they're not thinking about, oh man, but in Zero Mission or in, or in Super Metroid, this was the way things were because they don't have that experience. Because I don't think. I don't think many new Metroid players are leading the conversation for a big game of the year, though. I think it's what gives it the air underneath its wings, though. I I just don't believe a series that is infamously sold almost the worst out of most other Nintendo franchises suddenly has this hardcore fan base that catapulted itself by themselves all the way to game of the year. I don't believe that. It's just also it's just in the past decade there's been so many Metroidvania games exactly that, like that people have loved, and I don't know I haven't played all of them so I guess my take here is a little flawed but I feel like some of them go further with Metroidvania is just on paper more than Dread does. But those games aren't nominated here. Metroidvania. You're gonna have a lot of those fans who their favorite genres are Metroidvania will probably 
like go the closest towards Metroid Dread out of these six nominees, and a lot of Metroidvania fans have been made the last generation. And this is what started it all, and it's a great Metroid game. Boss fights are really cool. I love I love the atmosphere of Dread. I really like the war, like the, just the vibe of that entire. It just it feels the entire time I'm in that I'm in I'm walking around in Dread. I just feel like nothing is safe. Just this place is inhabited by ruthless, brutal monsters that want to tear me apart each chance they get. I love the world of Dread. I love the look of Dread. I love the play of Dread. The bosses are great. I think backtracking is by far the worst part of that game. Backtracking is my favorite part of that game. But there's so little of it. And that's why I didn't like it as much as other Metroid games. Hey, Owen, sorry to uh, tell you that right off the bat. I know you were saying early on you weren't sure, but uh, yeah, you've, you've kind of got the taste of it already. But regardless, uh, I think even while people feel that way about Metroid Dread, I feel like I feel like they have reasons to th- uh, think Deathloop and It Takes Two uh, do better at what they're trying to do than Dread. Oh, of course. After Second all that two, said, I just want to be clear, Deathloop still wins. I'm curious, um, when, how long have we had Game Pass? Big, important question. How long Fuck has Game Pass Mark. been available at this point? Um, uh, 2018? I mean, 2018, I want to say. No way. Re- yeah, actually, they've been talking about Game Pass for a while. Shit, you might like, be right. I wonder how integrated Death or Death Game Pass is to to people, and now Psychonauts Two integrated into Game Pass. No, there's no Death. I don't even think Deathloop's. No, Deathloop can't be. It's a PS5 is exclusive. Is Game Pass available in the afterlife? <laughs> Phil Spencer you, isn't working. If on you it. die in Game Pass, do you die in real life? Write us in, please. We're trying to figure. Right, this out. if you've died, please if write to us and tell us what it's know. like playing Halo Master Chief Collection in Purgatory. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. Um, I I really don't think Dread takes it. I think Dread maybe gets best action. I think it takes two and Psychonauts are the most unique games here. Ratchet and Clank is a very technically impressive game here. Deathloop is very creatively ambitious, and Resident Evil Village has a tall vampire lady. And I I think, based on these merits, Psychonauts 2 should maybe get in. Uh, but I'm I'm stuck on It Takes Two and Deathloop. It's one of the two. I want to lean towards It Takes Two. I want to make a quick case for Ratchet and Clank. Because, one, I think a lot of people played that game despite it being a ps5 exclusive specifically in the media we kind of had this conversation of like i think a lot of media people made a point to like play this when it came around because they likely had ps5s and it was like one of the first big exclusives and it got really good reviews and it seemed like people cooled on it pretty quickly afterwards but at least in my sphere, it's starting to heat back up a little bit. And it's just like a really like blockbuster game. I, It's kind of my pick of like, if I really think that like, uh, not very discerning people are voting for this, 
I think Wretch and Clank would be able to take it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think it is like dark horse possibility. And Mark, after saying all that, I am kind of with you in that. Like, I do think the top two are Deathloop and it takes two. I'm going to ultimately agree with Peter and give it to Deathloop. I think it's the most obvious one. I, I, I feel like I, it, my mind is telling me pick Deathloop, predict Deathloop. My heart. Where's says it where's pick. your temperature personally on Deathloop at this point? Oh, I still think it's a really good game. Honestly, I I actually in the past week didn't talk about it for things we played, but I put Deathloop back in to do the PvP a little bit in the in the past week actually. Because I was just itching for it. Because they updated it, and they made the AIs stronger. So when you're playing as Juliana, it's even harder now to take out uh, other players as Juliana. With that being said, I lost every game I played. These Colts are getting smarter out there. But it's it's a game I don't think I'm going to forget about for a long time. I would hope to see a DLC still. I think it still lives... I don't. I never thought it was like 10 out of 10 good, but... Nine, 9.5 kind of good, I still think. Like, I think the cool. biggest thing going against Deathloop is that it was given 10 out of 10s. If it wasn't given a 10 out of 10, I feel like I, w- I would talk much more lovingly about it because I really did enjoy my time in it. Um, But because it was given a 10 out of 10, I feel like I need to like fight the good fight mm-hmm. and make sure that people know, like, oh, absolutely not. That is not the case. Yeah, because I feel like there's been outlets that like I don't want to say they flaunt it, but like when they say like they show like their their catalog of the only games they've given ten out of tens, and now Deathloop will sit next to all of those games. And I bet if three of us even were to look at that list and see Deathloop there, even though we haven't played every game on that list, I've played Deathloop. I mean, De- Deathloop sits next to Breath of the Wild on all of these lists. <laughs> <laughs> It's just not there. It's just not. It's not the same thing. Deathloop, I don't think, is reinventing anything. Maybe beating a dead horse here. Deathloop gets more content and builds more on what it was before. Who's to say maybe it can live up to that? I feel like maybe it's got the room to become that, possibly in a complete package of more stuff. But as it stands, it's just it's only a nine point five. As if that's a bad thing. And it will stay there. Do you need do you need help on making your decision here? We need I, an answer, Mark. I think I'm just gonna go Deathloop. I'm just saying it. Sorry it takes two. I know it's yeah. not exciting for us all to have the same answer, but I mean, really, come on. Like I don't think the voters could have indicated any stronger. I mean, maybe I'm about to sound like a fucking asshole, but I just really think with the the verbal language and the body language I've gotten off a lot of the people voting this in this year's awards, that it is Deathloop by not even a close margin. Actually, JK, Peter, you've convinced me I'm picking It Takes Two. How was any of that... made that happen? I tried to be fast-witted, Peter. You actually didn't convince me. I convinced myself, sorry. That was riveting podcasting right there, Mark. I tried tried setting myself for something. I was was trying to ride the railroad while I was putting it together, and uh, the words... There weren't the right tracks there, unfortunately. But I do pick it takes two. Sorry, everybody. 
And what what just caused this change of heart? Before yeah, what we the get fuck, Bar? Um, because I really think, like, in my mind, for all the other categories we've talked about, I don't think I I, I don't think it takes two will really win it in any other category. So they give it game of the year? <laughs> what the yeah. fuck are you going on about? I think that's happened in years past before. When? Because like it takes two is a very beloved game. I think universally. I think Deathloop has uh, the naysayers. I don't think people are out there saying it takes two. Absolutely no. I think a room of people could be convinced in a world where everyone is split on Deathloop. It takes two. Maybe the the dread people are in the room and the ratchet and clank people are hanging out in the corner. Uh, and the Psychonauts people in the room as well, uh, that it takes to could kind of bring all of them together. Mark, the last four years were Last of Us Part 2, Second of Shadows Die Twice, God of War 2018, Breath of the Wild, and even before that, Overwatch. None of those games fit the description of what you're talking about. There's been no precedent for whatever it is you're alluding to. You see, maybe you've actually convinced me that I'm picking Deathloop only because I feel like I had this exact same argument about Control in 2019, and yeah. I was so passionate that Control was going to win. And then when it didn't win, I was so blown away that it didn't win. And my roommate was just like, why do you feel so strongly about this game? You never played it. Why do? You, why are you so bothered by this? And I don't know. It takes two could be that in a, in a category where i have played every other game except <laughs> it takes two i'm gonna be like oh, probably ridiculous. the one <laughs> <laughs> all right death loop everybody. you're picking death loop it's death okay death loop. i think that's a good note to leave on this has been the bny game podcast episode 41 and we will see you all most likely next week. We don't know what we're going to do with our recording with the Game Awards, but we'll see. Bye. Have a good one. Pray for It Takes Two. It's a bit much. <laughs>